Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this one. I've got Armando Campos, the Vice President of Food and Beverage for the Fontainebleau Hotel here in Miami Beach. Armando, thanks for joining us. When you realize that you're not only working for your goals, you're working for everybody else's goals, including the company above you and then everybody else that is reporting to you and to make sure that your success is not really your success is the company's success and it's, it's actually the people that work with you and for your success and nowadays this is what makes me happy like every day when i come to work it's not about me it's, it's really about the company at the end of the day you're hired you're put in positions to succeed personally but also you're here to make sure that the company succeeds and, and the people that work with you and for you are also succeeding because they're the ones that are going to be carrying all the weight right we get into positions like the one that I have right now, where you become a more financial and, and a mentor person than anything else. You, you don't get to be on the operation every day, like, every day like you used to when you were a younger manager. So you need to rely on everybody else that is that is under you, but not only relying is, is, is the way to go. You need to teach them, you need to guide them in order for them, for them to do the right thing and for, for them to deliver the results that you're expecting. That's true. And the other thing I don't think people realize, and hopefully you can touch on it, is when you become an executive and you have to work with other executives running their departments, you know, sometimes not everyone's goals align and you have to battle for your departments. You know, how did you learn to navigate that as a first time FMB director? Well, you want to you want to be the shiny star, right? So and, and I think everybody, everybody wants to be the shiny star. If you, if you don't have that in you, then it's difficult that you're going to show any, any success in your career. So you, you want to shine, you want your department to shine. But when you become a, a, an executive committee member in a, in a company, regardless if it's a hotel or not a hotel, you need to make sure that now you're part of a committee that actually are delivering the goals for the entire property. So sometimes people will ask me, my managers will ask me, Armando, how come we are taking on the cost of delivering amenities for VIPs? Because it is the best decision for the hotel. It's not only food and beverage now. You just start looking at the big picture and the bigger picture, which is anything that we decide as executive committee members has to do the right decision to make the hotel and the company successful and to meet the goals as a, as a hotel, not only as food and beverage, right? Sometimes you have to battle your own departmental or divisional goals and, and decisions, but at the end of the day, you need to understand that it, there is one goal and the goal is that the hotel as a hotel is very successful. So that's when you start partnering with the other executives to make sure that the right decisions are made on the table to ensure that the whole hotel is gonna benefit from that decision. And like you said, you had a good run at the at this hotel, the Lowe's, you helped rebrand it into what it is today. So. Listeners, if you haven't been there, you can go online and see all the public spaces and the pool deck and the restaurants. And Armando had a gigantic hand in creating those where I actually got to work inside of them a couple of years later. But you make a, an interesting move. You go back to a familiar place, right? You head back to Orlando, to the Hilton as director of food and beverage. How does that yeah. happen? Well, it, it, there was personal things happening to me. I was married and then I separated from my ex-wife and we decided she moved to Orlando because we spent a lot of time in Orlando back in the day. So she moved back to Orlando. And at that moment, we were having conversations of, of trying to make the, 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 the relationship work again. And, and in order for that to happen, I needed to go to Orlando because she did not want to come to Miami. So, you know, I, I 
Lowe's wanted me to go to Orlando and I wanted to go to Orlando with Lowe's. But after, I will say, probably six, seven months, nothing happened. And we decided that it was good for me to look outside the outside the company. Long story short, again, going back to Hilton, which is where I worked in Orlando, they had the opportunity for me to go in and reopen this iconic resort in Orlando, which is the Buena Vista Palace. So Hilton took it over and we needed to rebrand that hotel to become a Hilton. And that's the opportunity that I got to go back to Orlando. I was there for shy a year. And again, Things didn't work out on my personal my personal situation. So our GM here at the Lowe's Miami called me back and said, listen, if things are not working out in Orlando, you really want to get back to Miami. The job is still here waiting for you and, and made the decision and came back to, to Miami. So what was that like? Was it like surprising everybody or was everyone like, oh, we knew he was coming back? Because I don't know this part of the story. What was that like? Because you left just shy of a year, then you come back to your office. Was it like, oh, I'm home? Or you know, what was that like? Yeah, you know, it's funny, but for that year that I was out of the lows, a lot of people actually kept calling me and I was still working with a lot of people here, you know, they used to work with me at the lows. So the the director of banquets, the director of restaurants and everybody actually was calling me and check on me and hey, when are you coming back? And everybody probably, you know, it's one of those that you always think that is going to happen, probably be, not, not on a daily basis, but in the back of your mind, you always think that you're going to go back to that place that, it, that mm-hmm. is home. And that's how the lows fell for me. And, and I, I, I felt about it. It was just home. So when that happened, I said, you know, this is just destiny, you know, and I do believe in destiny. And I think I do believe that things happen for a reason. So I was able to get back to what I created in, in a sense, right? I created with a, a huge amount of people at the lows, but it was part of, of me. And I didn't get to see or enjoy many of the results of our renovation. So I said, you know, I want to go back and really enjoy what we created. And, and, and it happened to me. So I was able to get back to the lows for probably another year, year and a half. I don't remember well that was back at the lows. It's funny. So I want to I want to put this on record before we leave the lows. So, you know, Armando, we had met like a handful of times because I had my staffing company at the time and I was outside of the hotel world, but had my staffing company. And I was always impressed with Armando, well-dressed, oh, handsome, you. you know, like you see the South Beach guy oh, as Armando's the hotelier. Like that's the guy you choose to put in the movie. But I'll never forget one of our mentors, maybe not one of your mentors, but a friend of ours, Moot Lukachuk, who just said he'll be episode 50 guest. So let's see if he keeps his word. Hired me to be a food and beverage director when he was at the Eden Rock. And I, you know, I knew Armando three or four times we met. And the way Moot Luke motivated me, and I want him to hear this in the crowd because different ways to motivate people was... Armando would never let this happen at the Lowe's in food and beverage. <laughs> and I didn't know Armando, so I just started getting this. I just had to compete against him in my own head, but it was great. So Armando, I used you as competition to boost myself up, to get to high levels in <laughs> hotels because of our, our friend Mutlu. So I wanted to share that part with you because it just makes me laugh every time I talk to you. That is amazing. And I can see it from him, you know, trying to make sure that you start getting some competition going uh, to tell you about mm-hmm. No, listen, uh, it's, it's not what I did, it's what the team did. And, you know, Mundo has, has been great as a, as a boss and, and now as a friend. After I left Lowe's, uh, Mundo and I became very good friends. And, and I think working for someone like him is always great. He's the person, and, and you work with him, he's, he's not an easy person, right? He, he's always asking for more and, and to excel. And, and that's what he's, he has given him the opportunity to continue to grow in his career as well. So He pushes you to be the best. And we will be right back. I have personally used Treyaway at the Eden Rock Hotel and Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. Treyaway has finally solved the age-old problem of dirty room service trays cluttering the hotel hallways. It is affordable and easy to use. Guests and staff love it. They will even send you a free product kit so you can try it before you buy it. Use promo code TURK10 for a 10% discount on all Treyaway products and services. And now, back to the show. Let's continue on this journey because I don't know this part of your story. You leave Lowe's and you join a really cool hotel brand. How does that happen? Give us the update on what happens after Lowe's. When I got back to the Lowe's Miami, again, it was great coming back to, to Miami and to my home. And then um, based on a lot of different things, which the one I mentioned, like personally, you know, getting a divorce and coming back to Miami and all of that. After being with the Lowe's back in the Lowe's for a year, probably a couple change. of months, yep. I said, you know, it will be good for me to really completely change the atmosphere, right? Completely change what I'm used to just because of I want to start fresh. And I talked to Mudlu and Alex Tornarelli, that was our managing director back in the day, and many people at the corporate office with Lowe's. And, uh, you know, we had conversations about all the properties uh, within Lowe's. 
And uh, long story short, again, you know, I, I was able to be approached by Montage International about a new brand that they, they were opening back in the day, which mm-hmm. is Penry Hotels. Penry Hotels, for all of you on the audience that don't know what Penry is or, or all about, Penry is a subdivision of Montage. Montage is the luxury, high luxury brand of the company. And then Penry is the luxury boutique life brand within Montage. So when they were building the hotel and about to open the hotel, I started conversations with them. It took me actually, you know, about six months actually to work on this deal to go to California. Wow. Yeah. Long story short, at the end of the day, we worked the deal and, and I went to be the director of food and beverage at the Pendry San Diego, which is an amazing property. Going from bigger from big hotels to a smaller hotel. Pendry had only 330 rooms. But it was all about food and beverage in that in that hotel. Five restaurants and venues, including a nightclub. And that's what I started getting my food and beverage experience a little bit more with a lot more variety, right? Now, including a day club and a nightclub, which I, I never had before. With Pendry, I, I was able to have it and also to work with partners. So the nightclub in one of our restaurants actually was a partnership with Click Hospitality out of Vegas. And that was my first experience really dealing with a third party restaurant management company, which was actually a very, it was a very cool environment because they were not managing, we were managing. It was our staff, Pendry Montage staff, but they're the, they're the ones that created the concept and we needed to follow some of the concept standards that they had for the place, but it was all our staff which is the same same deal that we have right now going on at the Fontainebleau, right? So it was very cool to be part of it. I was there for a little bit over two and a half years. And then, you know, another personal story. So my girlfriend, when I was 15 years old, which is now my current wife, we remade in San Diego. Wow. So, no, I'm not looking for that, but we were able to remade in San Diego. Uh, me out of five years, uh, five years of, of being divorced from my first wife and her also being divorced from the first uh, marriage, and then we decided to start seeing each other after she, uh, she knew and I knew that, that she was in San Diego. And long story short, now we have a two-year and eight-month daughter, which is my craziness outside work. is is what I enjoy spending most of my time when I'm not here at the hotel. And so when we knew that... Yeah, we I would were... give her a shout out because I've met your wife. She's amazing, very supportive, Thank you. elegant, beautiful woman. You know, shout out to her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when we knew that we were pregnant with my daughter, I was actually offered to become the corporate director of food and beverage for Montage. Wow. And at that moment, I had already conversations of, of doing something different than hospitality just because of the time. And I wanted to really enjoy my daughter, which is my 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 first child. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted to enjoy seeing her going from a baby to a little girl, et cetera, et cetera. So at that moment, I started already creating a consulting company. And, you know, I, I had already almost given my boss, my general manager, the Pendry, my, my notice that I was leaving when corporate threw this curveball uh, at me and asked me if I wanted to become the, the director, the corporate director of food and beverage. Hold on. So uh, I want to hear this because I think it's important for listeners, a couple of things. So one, family most important to you. You want to make sure you spend time with your brand new family you're creating. But you had put in your notice or were you creating your consulting company like in your mind? Like, I really want to do something. I don't want to be in the hotel at this time of my life. Is that kind of how this started forming or was it, I don't want to be here anymore and I need to start something new? It was about family. It was not about me not wanting to do it because I mean, I'm, I'm back in hospitality for a reason, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love to manage. I love to see people every single day. I like to see the results of, of, of a team. And, and that's the reason why I got back to hospitality, but backtrack a little bit. So I already had opened the company and I, and I was, already doing some consulting on my free time, which I didn't have much back in the day, but I made the decision and, and, and I didn't want to go back. And I had partnered also with someone else that I didn't want to let down, right? So if I, I made the decision already to do that, mm-hmm. when I got offered to be the corporate director of food and beverage, I didn't, I, I, I never want to go back and say to this person, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to hospitality because I got offered a better job, right? Which at the right. end of the day was my next dream goal to become a corporate. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a tough choice. So, but again, I am a man of my word and I had already made my, I have given my word to someone else and made my decision. So I had to tell the corporate office, no, I, I, I have made my decision. If you haven't heard, I have already given notice to my GM, which I gave 
45 day notice and ended up being three months. That's good notice. <laughs> ended, ended up being three months because they kept asking me to stay, to stay, to stay until we could actually fill my position. So anyway, so left hospitality from 9, November, December of 2019 to the moment that I, I, I started here at the Fontainebleau, which is May of this year. So it was probably, what was that, three years? Yeah, about three years you were out of the game. So I was three years out of the game, learned a lot. I yeah. I couldn't be happier making the decision that I made back in the day because I learned so many things by opening my own company. And and, uh, and successfully, we continue to have that company. It's not that I, I closed the company or left the company. We continue to have that company. But now with the partners that I have, they manage day by day. I continue to participate in some of the decisions and some of the um, uh, some of the, the the responsibilities of the company, but not on the day by day operations. So yeah, um, in your free yeah. time, nights, weekends, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I want to touch on this because I, I found it really valuable when I had my company and came back that I felt like a different person. Like I understood business more. What did you put into practice when you came back to hotels? Well, I think they were, a lot of people in hotels they just do what they told to do, right? And and they're being directed to do. So when I opened my company, I realized that now when you think about your company and every decision that you make is going to affect or benefit your entire company and yourself, because now whatever happens in your company happens to you. Either is is generating money or losing money, which you know that a lot of us lose money with companies at the beginning, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes you lose money forever, right? So there's companies that never kick off and, and continue to lose money and not make the right money. So when I got back to hotels, I realized that if I look at the hotel even more than I looked at it before as my own company and the decisions that I'm making, I'm going to be making them if it benefits the entire company or not, more than if the, it benefits my division, it benefits me personally. And, and that's what I learned the most. And now I can tell you that every decision that I take is, is all about, are we doing the right thing for the business? Are we really benefiting the business as a whole, the owners? I think based on that, it has made me a bigger director. It has, give, it has gave me a lot more responsibility to myself because all the decisions that I take now are, are with that vision. But I think it is what you learn the most when you're opening your own business. I'm excited to have my old friend, Patrick Huey, the global hospitality and wellness leader, and also creator and host of his own podcast. Patrick, welcome to the show. When I applied for sandals, I didn't know I was applying for sandals. And so... What does that mean? How does that happen? So they, there was a post. I don't, I, I don't know if it, I don't know what site it was on, but yeah. it's something like, you know, 26 spas in the Caribbean. And I was like, great. I mean, I'll live in Miami because I knew most people in the Caribbean who were working in, in the Caribbean, but not Caribbean nationals lived in Miami. And so I applied for it. And then once I applied for it, they called and said, this is sandals. You have to move to Jamaica. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and so I'd never been to the Caribbean, but I went down, I interviewed with them and I got the job and moved to the Caribbean for four years, five years. So what was that like? Was it weird at first or was it exciting? How did you feel leaving? Because you've always been on the U.S. soil and then you're going to a different country on an island. What was that like? Hard because just like, you know, it may be only 90 miles or whatever it is from Miami or a little, a little less, I think, a little more, 100 miles or so from Miami. But it, culturally, the Caribbean is very different. And that was a struggle. Driving on the other side of the road was really hard. I used to get the worst headaches. I was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, you were taught left, right, left, and there it's right, left. I mean, everything is backwards to you. So you're, like, mm-hmm. constantly having to relearn. So the, I'd, I'd say the first few months were kind of rough just because it was a cultural immersion in a different culture. But I, I really liked working for Sandals because they're a machine. And I had not worked in a machine before. Like, that had a very strong brand ethos because they were about – luxury hospitality in the Caribbean, all-inclusive stays. This is a very different model than the Four Seasons, which is all what we call, it's like, it's like a European model, or what it's called, mm-hmm. um, where you check in, check out, and right. you, pay, you pay as you go. That's not how all-inclusives work. And so I, learned, I had to learn the whole all-inclusive model, and I had to learn, you know, I think I had like 25, 26 spas to oversee, which was a huge remit. And culturally, I had to learn those cultures. And, you know, and yeah, they're all different islands, right? That's what I was going to ask different. you. You got 26 six different spas, all different cultures. Yeah. How did you sit down and start to organize yourself? Because that's not just like at, at this one property or I have a couple of places. You're nationwide, right? Or you're international. You're Mr. International yeah. now. What is that like? I had a really good, and she's still there. Her name is Paulette. 
and she was like my number two. I, I was the corporate spa director. She was the spa operations manager and she had been there for years. And so she, so when, when you're in a situation like that, you have to rely on the people who have been there and know where all the landmines are, know where all of the mistakes have been made and you have to really trust their, trust their guidance. So I did that. She helped really smooth the path for me so that I wouldn't make unnecessary mistakes. You all, of course, make mistakes, but those that you can avoid from someone else's advice, you want to take that. And then I just got there and did my thing. And, you know, at this point in my career, I had been doing it for like 13 years or so. I knew the business of spa by that point, And I knew how to go in and make the changes that needed to be made in order to make that business more successful. And so at that point, it wasn't, the, the change wasn't hard for me to come up with. It was getting people to buy into it, right? Mm -hmm. That's always the hard part. And so how do you do that when you have all different cultures? I mean, usually in hotels, like especially Miami, everyone's different cultures and they're all there. Is it kind of similar? You're just making sure the message is clear and people are being held accountable to the changes or is it much harder than that? Well, because there were just so many properties, I had to really deal with, the senior leadership of the spas at those properties because the way sandals was set up the division heads of the different outlets really ran those outlets so it's, it's kind of a different model than what we're used to in the states so i really worked with the senior leaders of spas and all these departments and, and and brought them into the process of the changes i wanted to make and explained why i wanted to make those changes and so when that happens, it makes it much easier for the line staff at these different locations to sort of buy into it. Yeah. And so that, I think that, I think that really helped. And then I, you know, did a lot of, you know, you have to manage up and manage down. So I did a lot of, you know, explaining and running numbers and showing op where the opportunities were if we were to make these changes that I was talking about for deputy chairman and for my bosses and you know all of that you have to do all those things well you do a great job there you're there for a good amount of time you know almost four years and then you know change kind of pops up what happens with sandals why do you leave i left sandals because i was recruited to go to asia mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so t tell us about that because i know that's not the biggest part of the story but i'm sure it leads to the where where you are now at some point yeah i went to asia i was only, i was only there for nine months i I tell you, if I if I had a good reason to get back to Bangkok, I would move back there tomorrow. I love living in Bangkok, but I was there for nine months. They had they were having a very difficult time finding someone, and the and, and my spas were between the Maldives, Sri Lanka, Bali. So I see all the screensavers we see. Yeah, you know Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. We had some in China. I never went to China. I mean, I traveled through China, but never went to those properties. I had 40 locations, and so I couldn't get to them all. But I, I loved, I love living in Southeast Asia. It's an amazing part of the world. I would, I would, I would have stayed, but I, I, it wasn't a culture fit for me in terms of the company. And it's a perfectly great company, and they've been in business a very similar model to Sandals, actually, in terms of how they operate and how the structure of the company. But it was, it was not a culture that I was really. I couldn't co-sign some of the stuff that happened, and I was like, I gotta go. Mm. That and I trained my I didn't just like balance. I trained my replacement. Like I was very respectful of him. I want to see the culture there because you know I've got I went to Thailand and it's a much different spa experience. Like that's part of the everyday. Like people are getting foot massages on the streets. It's like right. It's so what is it like there? Because that's you know yeah. when a lot of people think of spa and wellness and meditation and healing. It's a lot of Eastern philosophy. Is that what you kind of saw there, or was it? Yeah, no, this I, is spa business. I mean, and it, to your point, it's very hard. And that's, you know, and they, they brought me in because they really wanted to bring a more Western mentality, like a business mentality to the, the spas that they had. And it's very hard because of what you said. We, we couldn't charge exorbitant prices because you could go across the street and get a really good massage for like 15 bucks. And so it's very different there because in a great way, actually, because spa, wellness, health, proper nutrition it's like it's like a part of how they how that culture just breathes they they take it very seriously in a way that we don't do in the states i think we're sort of kind of kind of getting there it was really a lesson just in terms of and you know a lot of a lot of these therapists that i was working with i, I couldn't communicate with them because i did not speak thai mm -hmm. and sometimes i did not speak english but their parents and their grandparents were healers. And so they are like in a tradition of people who were healers in their family. So they take it very seriously, Steve. 
And I love that part of it. Like I said, I, I, you know, I just wasn't a fit for that company. Yeah, it makes sense. But the, but the lifestyle there was amazing. And, you know, and I think a lot of the things that this, this, that just happened there, we try to bring here, but you, you can't replicate because you don't have the circumstances that cause, cause that thing that you're trying to replicate to build here that was there. And so, yeah, especially when you say people are like from a family of healers, like, I don't think we have that here. So it makes sense of why you don't get that level of like knowledge, like some of these like points of pressure points and massages that you would get over there was like, what's happening? <laughs> it's right. crazy. And I loved it. It's like basic things like, you know, like here, when you go to a spa, the therapist drapes you in a certain way. And it's all of this. Like, and I went to some spas and they, I wasn't even draped. They were just like, just get on the table and go. And they were just like, they just have a very different relationship to the human body. They have a very different relationship to how you take care of yourself. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very different culture. But I loved it because it was just, it was a great, it was a great learning experience. And I, I saw some beautiful places. So it was, it was, a, it was worth the fun nine months there. <laughs> it sounds like it. it is a good, a good experience. So you come back and you get another great title with another amazing company. Who do you land with? So I went to Montage, mm -hmm. which was Great. And so I have, I have the funniest story about Montage. I was talking about it yesterday because, you know, right now, I don't know when this is going to air, but right now, you know, people are getting COVID again and the flu is crazy right now. So everyone's sick. I and just I, had the flu last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had Thanksgiving dinner and then the well, flu the next day. <laughs> I've dodged that bullet so far. So I'm like, let's keep that going. But I had, I had one of my managers came into work the other day and he was really sick. And I was like, why are you here? Go home. Yeah. It's like, well, I just started. I was like, yeah, but you have the flu. <laughs> you yeah. can't be here. So like I had just started at Montage. I had been there maybe a month and I was so sick. And I went in one day because I had, I had a meeting with my boss who was the senior vice president of operations, a great guy named James Birmingham and our, our VP of marketing, a great woman named Casey Bruno. I had a meeting with him and I was like, I have to go in because I have this meeting. I'm new here. I can't just mm -hmm. say I'm not going to come to work. And so I went to work. I'm sweating because I have a fever. I'm coughing. I'm sneezing. So I walk into the meeting and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and like five minutes in, my boss, he says to me, why are you here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, we had a meeting. It'd be very disrespectful if I didn't show up for the meeting. He's like, Patrick, let me tell you one thing about montage. There's nothing more important than your health and your family. Go home. <laughs> we can do this meeting later. And that kind of like, to me, sums up what working for Montage was like, it was really about those kind of values and they meant them because, it, you know, Montage, Montage is a very cool company. It's small. It punches above its weight in terms of what people perceive it to be. Yeah. And so it's a small company and, and the family who owns it are very involved. And so family is important to them. When James said that, he wasn't just making that up. Yeah, but that, that, that was my next. My no, next I love thing. it. You get there in 2018, early 2018. And you have a good run there. What is it like now you've worked at Four Seasons and Viceroy and Sandals and you've been in Asia. What was it like getting there at this hotel? Was it a mix of a lot of things? Like you could still learn stuff there or was it like I'm bringing oh, my yeah. experience now? Oh, yeah. I, could, I, could, I learned a lot there because I think Montage really does it in a very different kind of way. And it doesn't, you know, they have really carved out what they called at that point Southern California luxury. Mm -hmm. Southern California hospitality. And they had really discovered how to make a really elevated experience be totally approachable. And that was done through design. That was done through culture of the company. So I thought that was really interesting to be a part of and to witness. So it was, you know, because sometimes when you, when you get into these, you know, legacy brands, they can sometimes feel very formal because they've just been around for a long time and they have their way of doing things. And I think what sort of what makes Montage a little different and stand out from that is that they really found a way of doing it in a way that is very accommodating, easy, approachable, not, you know, buttoned up and ties and all that. But I think in some places they may have worn ties, but <laughs> I think the Beverly Hills location at that time wore ties. But I don't know. I don't remember. It was interesting. And they really believe in their culture and they hire for it and they review you upon that just as much as the financials. So they, they really walk the walk, which I liked a lot. Today, I'm very excited to have Saeed Heikel, the general manager of Faina Hotel, Miami Beach and District. So if someone's getting into that role, because there's a lot of people who'd make that jump and I see them crash and burn. 
right? Because they're used to telling a team like, this is what you have to do and more line level staff versus leaders who are all aspiring to be leaders above you at that level as well, right? They all have that dream to be a GM. Correct. How do you set yourself up? Was there certain things that you started to learn or read or look out for? Or was it just, hey, I'm going to show them and by actions? What, what was kind of your advice if you were telling someone right now in that first time role? I had to look back and see what it is that I needed from my leader. And it's all about inspiring, you know, and, and finding the way to guide them towards the right path of success. You can be a leader that's going to push hard and just give direction and always feel like you're forcing something, but that's never going to really push them the right way. So for me, it's it's all about how do I guide you? You know, what, what else can we learn today? What can we do together? Ask for feedback. You know, say, what is it that you think will help us do better? Um, what do you suggest? And then, you know, you can give feedback as well, because although we're in the positions that we're in, we don't necessarily know everything. You know, and a lot of it is trial and error. And in order to be able to achieve the results that you want to achieve, it's about finding the medium, right? Between what the, you know, what you want to do and what your team wants to do. How do you achieve it together? You know, they may have a different approach that you're not familiar with or that you haven't seen. So it's always good to involve the team members and, you know, surround yourself with the right people that are open, that are willing to learn and, and grow. And, and I think for me, what I did is just, how can I be there for them? You know, what can I do to help them become better? How can I help them make their jobs easier? Essentially, that's what I'm here to do as a leader. So that, that's the approach that I took. So it was really organize yourself, kind of understand what the goal is and find a way to get there. Yeah. So for listeners, if you're in that role, that's great advice. Rewind that last minute. I think you'll find some great piece of advice in there from Saeed. But Saeed, you, you're doing well. You, like you said, you get promoted, you're doing a great job. And then, you know, I guess you started like doing openings because another I, opening comes on the horizon. Why don't you tell the listeners, well, how does that decision come that you join Faina opening that hotel and leaving this world-class hotel at the St. Regis? So St. Regis was, was a wonderful experience. I think it was one of the best up to date. And, you know, at the same time, Faina was opening. And I really enjoyed that, like you said, Steve. And, you know, I wanted another challenge. And at the time, coincidentally, our hotel manager, Dan, Marco had left his, his role in the, at the hotel and Dan was actually going to move down to become the new general manager of Faena. So it was me more going with him. You know, I wanted to continue my career with him. You know, I trusted him and, you know, we, we achieved a lot together. So I said, why not do it again? Mm -hmm. and, you know, Dan moved down here to Faena and I joined as well. And you know, it was probably one of the most challenging opportunities we've ever had because, you know, with St. Regis, you had a strong name behind you. So with recruitment and resources, it was much easier. You know, it was much more readily available. With Faena, it was a little bit more of a challenge because we were trying to create something that's never been done before. And, you know, it was hard to kind of send the message out to everyone to really to showcase who we really were. So for listeners, set the scene of what Faena is, because a lot of people may not have heard of it if you're not from the areas that they're located. So Faena original, originated by, uh, was you know, our visionary is Alan Faena. He was based out of Buenos Aires, came in from fashion and created this district in Buenos Aires revolving around art and culture and dining, you know, theater, all about experiences, all in one area. And, you know, it did so well in Buenos Aires that he wanted to bring that magic to Miami, Miami Beach. And he chose an area which was essentially deserted, mid-beach, between 29th and 37th. There's really not much going on here. And there wasn't much traffic. So, you know, we he picked up on pretty much five blocks between 32nd and 37th and wanted to create that same district with world-class dining, theater, cabaret, romance, you know, all of these beautiful experiences in a place that no one really expected it to be. And we brought on celebrity chefs, you know, great architects and designers. I mean, the collaboration between all of these people really created where we are today. But again, it was still, it was, nobody knew who we were. And when we were opening, the building was still under construction. It had been abandoned for over 15 years. So it was the original Saxony. And we had people based all around the city. We had teams stationed in the Miami Beach Convention Center. Then we had another team stationed in 
Wynwood at the Ice Palace. Then we had another team stationed in the the trailers that we had rented on Miami Beach. So, you know, we were all over the city and it was all about recruitment and creating these SOPs and all our, you know, our processes. And it was challenging. I think we were supposed to open with about 650 employees and we were only able to get about to about 280 at the time. Yep. And even opening, we were opening for Art Basel. You know, we had one of the biggest events that year and we still had not entered the hotel. So the first day the employees saw the building was the day we opened. Wow, so you can that's imagine. real. It was, it was. And we had to shift all of the reservations at the time, which was the challenge. But, you know, I remember being in the Ice Palace and in the convention center and we used tape to outline what the lobby looked like. So we can say, well, this is where the front office is and this is where this is. So they can kind of envision it. So when they walked into the building, they didn't, you know, we, you know, they, they were completely shocked. So it was definitely a challenge, but I think we had a fantastic team. I mean, everybody that, you know, was part of the team was passionate about Fayena. In order to really be able to thrive in this type of property, you have to really want to be here. You have to live by the same culture, the values, share the same vision, um, because it is not your typical hotel, you know, and, and I know you've seen it, you know, from the daytime to the evening, the property completely transforms, you know, it shifts to a whole different property and, and that's what makes it exciting. You know, we thrive in the evening during the day. It's great. But after 9 PM between nine and 2 AM, that's when this property is in full motion. And, and you have experiences from the theater to the living room, the Saxony bar, you have Los Fuegos, Pau, El Secreto, so many different experiences all going on at one time. So, you know, again, constantly moving and, and finding the right people to, to, to support each other. I love so it. I at the time, yes. And so listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend getting on their Instagram or on their website because I think you just got awarded like most Instagrammable hotel in the world, we did. which is an unbelievable award. So it really is worth checking out. And if you're in Miami or Miami Beach, you have to come visit. Every time I go in there, you feel like you're walking into a, a luxurious movie set, uh, is how I can put it, right? Well, it's funny you say that because the person who designed the building was Baz Luhrmann, who created, you know, the Titanic, the Great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge, who was a producer. And his wife, Catherine Martin, is the one who designed our uniforms, who's the one who designed the costumes in the movies. So it's actually the perfect way to describe it is that you're, you feel like you're in a movie. I feel it. Every time I walk in there, I feel like it. I feel like I'm being transported. But let's get back onto your story here. So you're there, you're opening. I love that you're putting the, the floor plans together on the floor and like doing walkthroughs, not even in the hotel. That's unbelievable. I couldn't imagine that. I've done two openings and that must have been the most pressure filled first day that you all had. But you, you have a good year run there. And then you're, I love these stories of how this goes. And I'm curious to see what happens here. You end up going back to a familiar place. Where do you end up going? So I ended up going back to the St. Regis Ball Harbor. Um, at the time with Faena, you know, we were still going through the renovation. Although we opened, we had to close again to really finish off the rooms. I think we ended up closing twice after we opened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the St. Regis had uh, called me to come back for a great opportunity. You know, it was a role that I was, you know, looking forward to down the road. Again, I didn't know when I was ready for the role, but... I ended up going back as the, I went back as director of residence, but slowly transitioned into director of rooms, which is what I really enjoyed. I had started off as residences, but, you know, realized that I enjoy the operations. I couldn't be away from a hotel and, and I enjoyed the constant change, the excitement, you know, just the revolving door um, and so many opportunities within the hotels that, you know, I came back, I was in the director of rooms role. But I also like how how was that conversation? Was it a hard conversation to have? Did you look for mentors' advice on doing it to go was, back? Yeah, we just, well, Dan Dan was actually here at the time, so it was a little bit hard for him. He knew. Right. Um, I obviously had spoken to him, and you know, to me, it, it it felt like it was the right move. You know, so I felt good about it, and that was the most important thing. You know, I was excited. I knew the St. Regis. I remember my experience there. And it felt comfortable. You know, it was a new leadership team at the time. They had already gone through two different GMs within that year. Wow. Um, so for me, it was it was kind of like uncharted territory, but it was a place I was familiar with. And I surprisingly kind of knew it more than most because I had been there longer than them before and I opened it. 
but it was going through a lot of change. You know, we were going through construction updates. You know, they, you know, my GM actually at the time tasked me to oversee the construction, tasked me to oversee the retail. You know, he came to me and said, I need you to sign all of these retail spaces with different com- uh, retailers. And I said, well, where do I even begin? You know, I had no idea. I've never signed a retailer. Wait, so you'll figure it out, Saeed. Yeah. So I just went around, started calling different vendor retailers in the Bell Harbor shops. And, you know, we started signing contracts and, and agreements. So we leased out all the spaces and, you know, it was really exciting. I, I enjoyed being back there. And again, it was a property I was passionate about that I had opened. So it felt good. Today, I'm very excited to have Carlos Macias, the hotel manager for the Nobu Hotel, Miami Beach. So I have two questions coming. But the first, for someone who's never worked at a Forbes hotel, what is the difference? Because they've probably a lot of people worked at some very nice hotels. But what is the biggest difference you see of working at a Forbes rated hotel versus sure. others that haven't received that four or five star rating? I think it's the intensity of consistency to me. And and uh, and the expectation without without any sort of wavering and 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 again we all of course strive to be uh, the best and and uh, and do everything we can but I think when you have that forefront from an ownership level down from a general manager level down from an area from everyone in the building down to uh, you know the the caddy right at the at the club everyone spoke the same language every single person everything that we did from our lineups to our department meetings, to our trainings, to uh, every single thing was ended with, well, how does this fit with everything that we're doing to ensure that we maintain our Forbes standards, ensuring that we maintain that 60% repeat business uh, ratio, which is very, very hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, both in the restaurant locally from the uh, you know ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy folks that, that visited there, but down to really the person who saved up their whole life to to go there that were in the outskirts of North Carolina that came to that hotel as to your point as very traditional very multi-generational kind of stays you know how are we going to maintain that same level every single year uh, from the from the finest touches from from the room to to the to their favorite beverage in the restaurant or that infamous lobby bar or to our very much so one of my favorite uh, lobby tea ceremony traditions. Uh, yeah, uh, that, high tea. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, for me, those, those are things that separate those hotels apart and, and the investment truly that an owner has to make, that a company has to make, because uh, even at the time they weren't, of course, something that uh, you could glance over p right? Those were very big investments to maintain. And you kind of mentioned that culture of consistency. So Mm-hmm. How does that culture happen? Does it have to start at the top or is it someone in the middle? Like, how do you see that if you were mm-hmm. helping somebody say, hey, you got to get to this level? What what kind of culture? Mm-hmm. How can I build that culture of excellence and consistency? Yeah, I think if you look through everyone's files, right, if you look if you look through everyone's training documents, if you if you look through your lineup document, every hotel has a stat sheet or a hot sheet or a uh, you know, newsletter or or anything you put out, right? Anything that describes your culture, whether it be a poster in the back office or your daily lineup or your core values or, uh, you know, all, all those things that, that amazing hotels have that speak to what their purpose and their mission statements are. Uh, those in conjunction with every single leader in the building, right? If all those things are, are, are screaming at you every single day with those levels of intent to make sure that that is your your goal, your purpose, mm-hmm. then you will achieve it, right? The consistency will just flow naturally. Uh, you know, similarly to with Forbes, right? It's all about the feeling, right? So uh, at the time, you know, another amazing program that we had at the property was, and I was a service culture ambassador. I took that job very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and it was my job to train everyone at the time. Starwood had an amazing service culture training that was very much in conjunction with uh, uh, with Forbes. And, you know, at the time it was connect and delight and and, and all the feelings that came through with that service level. Uh, and I was a trainer. And, and to me, that was the, the most honorable gig I'd ever had to date. I said, wow, they're entrusting me with that culture. So, yes, I can say it's the general manager down. I can say it's the director of F&B and director of rooms and everyone else. But to me at the time, everyone that came into my trainings and uh, and I converted this little, you know, old hotel room into like my little training room. To me, everyone that came to that room 
had just made a pledge and made a commitment to make that consistent effort to meet those service essentials. And uh, and that was the very first time I became a, a true property trainer, a true uh, ambassador of, of that culture that you're trying to defer to. And, and ultimately, I handed that baton off to the next person who came up to me and said, I want to do exactly what you're doing. And I thought that was, a, was an amazing, amazing achievement, a very small achievement in my career. But that one, I really look back to every day and I go, wow, that was a fleeing moment. I, I want that over and over and over again. Yeah, especially when you're doing such a good job that somebody wants to be you, right? And to have that role mm-hmm. of leading the culture mm-hmm. and, and pushing yeah. that out there. That's yeah. great advice. I think for anyone listening, if you're really trying to build a culture, mm-hmm. it, it takes exactly what Carl's saying is all of the things that you share with your team have to be, use your quote, screaming that information and mm-hmm. making sure that they understand that we're up to that level. So you're at the Valentine, you're doing well, but you make a change. What happens? Are yeah. you start looking or is someone calling you? What happens? And I and I think for success, this is this is the this is the learning moment in your career, right? And uh, and to everyone out there that's getting those phone calls from those recruiters that are getting pinged every day, you know, every every opportunity is a lesson. So I did. I got pinged by someone that that I that I definitely um, held in a in a, man, a very high regard, and uh, they said, "Listen, there's an amazing opening. You don't have an opening under your belt." You've done housekeeping, you've done front office, you used to do F&B, but you haven't opened a hotel. You don't have it all. It's like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> so, got they got the hook in. They got the hook in. They, they, they threw a massive title out there. Great, great money. And I've, I've definitely, you know, been listening. And, and I know everyone comments on some of your posts, uh, uh, Steve, about, about this specific topic, Right where it's not all about the money and the title and how recruiters go and how everything goes. And by all means, it's an amazing part of the industry. But I think as a young hotelier that I was at the time, considerably very impressionable, very much so hungry uh, and uh, and immediately saw all these things. And then at the time, this was an amazing, it still is, by the way, an amazing hotel opening in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the Beach Club. And it was going to be uh, rated with leading hotels of the world. And to me, that just, again, that screamed everything that I had just built in uh, into my DNA to, to be the trainer. So it was immediately that, that most amazing opportunity to open a hotel from, from scratch, from, from construction, you know, as a, as a head. So that was kind of the first time that that was that, that kissing on that uh, of EC level, executive level position. So so I, again, I packed my bags again at the time, my, my girlfriend, right. Who now is my wife. I said, Hey, I'm moving down to Charleston. She's like, okay, well, it's only a three hour drive, four hour drive. You go do that. And, and here wives always know best, right? She's like, I'm not going to move with you this time. I'll let me know how that goes. And so I said, no problem. I'm going. And, uh, and again, made amazing connections at Valentine left there went there and uh and boy it was an experience there too opening a hotel yep i've done two and i don't love them but you learn a lot what do you think of those i mean when you're opening those uh it's you bond with people because you go through trauma together that's what i like to say (laughs) it's uh, bonding through trauma trauma, that's good you have to bond together to survive and there's so many things that will happen that you don't expect and you can have the perfect plan but it has never gone to plan exactly as you need it. Sure. It's, you know, and I'm sure you felt the same there and you were there for, you know, a short time. I'm sure you got mm-hmm. it ready and got it prepped. And then what happened? Was it similar to others? We're like, all right, I've got it open. It's time to get back to a place that's, that's been open and running or were you just missing home? No, no, no. I think for, for me, it was exactly that. It, I didn't really miss home at the time. I just, I, I felt it in my heart that, that I had done everything I could there and at the time, I was really maturing in my personal relationship. So my wife really needed to get back home to her family in Northern Virginia, in the D.C. area. And so once the hotel opened and it's thriving and it's winning awards and and, and I had selected some key individuals to, to be there to lead, I said, you know, I think, I think I've done enough. And uh, I really wasn't tied to the area. Charleston, although wonderful, wonderful city, and we have some great properties there now with Davidson. Uh, you know, just wasn't home for me. I didn't feel it. Uh, and you and you really have to take off every box 
in order to say that you're going to stay in one place for a while. And uh, and to me, I wasn't done learning. You know, I think for me, I was I was ready to. The hotel was actually a, a little smaller too, so uh, I wanted to do something back to my grassroots words, which was a little bit bigger. It's still an amazing opportunity. Again, leading hotels of the world through and through, maintaining those standards of excellence and level. Amazing property. You know, went through my first hurricane there on top of opening. Uh, <laughs> Charleston, that's scary. Yeah. You know, floods and all the fun stuff, recruitment, opening. It was actually a multi-property hotel. So we had one operating and one that was being built and then two operating. An amazing leadership team there, amazing managing director and everyone there. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it's not the right fit. And sometimes we see that in people's career, you know. And I think that's important. I think that's yeah. good to wake up one day and say, you know what? This isn't going to be the path for me, and and you leave in great terms, and uh, and you make the change. Always associated to to, and by no means am I a, am I a perfect athlete out there, but I did very much so wanted to be a an amazing soccer player, and, mm-hmm. and I just quite frankly wasn't good enough. All my friends were; they all were much better than me. But sometimes coach comes in the in, in the in the locker room and says, mm-hmm. "Hey, you've been traded. You got to go. You you know your time is. Oh, I've only had one season." But to me, it was it was that one season, and that one season was enough. Well, then you joined an interesting brand, which I know mm-hmm. some about, but not all about. And you joined mm-hmm. Two Roads Hospitality. So you mm-hmm. joined as a director of front office and guest experience. Mm-hmm. So I have stepped back to move forward. Mm-hmm. What was Two Roads Hospitality like to you as you joined them? Because you had been at some other mm-hmm. kind of top-tier ultra lux mm-hmm. hotel before. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit different, more lifestyle. What was that like for you? Yeah, I think it, I found my niche, honestly. Going to that brand, I, I knew exactly where I needed to be. With a management company comes an amazing, amazing layout of benefits. Uh, and, and to me, I found, I found a little bit of home there. I was amazingly successful there, uh, more than, than I ever thought, quite frankly, uh, to, to spend the time that I spent there. And by this point now, everyone's kind of said, wow, this guy's been in a lot of places and mm-hmm. can't be that old. And so to me, I said, okay, I'm going to stick around for a little bit. But quite frankly... Steve, the success that we had at that hotel, bringing it back to life was the first time I had gone to a place to, to, and quote unquote, help it just blossom. Right. And I felt that I should be the one again, that goes to where nowhere else wants to go and, and help and serve others and build a program, build a team from scratch and to take it where no one's ever taken it before and build all these amazing programming. That's where I learned about uh, activating and pop-ups and taking it to the step further and everything that I had learned up until that point, but really implementing it and then teaching it. At the time, really, that that property hadn't gone through a, a lot of that luxury feel. And so to me, bringing that elegance and that elevation through the through the processes and and uh, and everything. And it's an iconic property as well, right? And And all the properties that I've been uh, very blessed to be a part of are, are very, very, very iconic, well-known uh, properties in their markets and uh, and sustainable in a lot of ways. With big fans. And, and just to name the hotel, you're at the Lansdowne Resort and Spa. And when you were there, you won Condé Nast Traveler Awards. So that's ranked mm-hmm. by the people staying there. So you won awards with people raving about your service while you were there as a director of rooms. Mm-hmm. And what was something about that experience that you still have that you take with you now? Is it all just the kind of like the, the lifestyle stuff, the pop-ups and the activations and really mm-hmm. driving that guest experience or were there anything else? So there I was entrusted and it's very key because my title specifically says that and I kept it there for a reason and and it was guest experience, right? It, it was the journey. It was really touching every single aspect of that of that, of that stay there at that hotel. Fortunately, I had an amazing partner in food and beverage there, John Anza, and I have an amazing mentor that's still within organizations as our, our executive chef. So, you know, we were kind of the three amigos there mm-hmm. and and really we blossomed. And so we really did take that lifestyle luxury to heart and, and made that really, really exceptional. We had a, a membership component there with golf. We had an amazing following in the community, being in the outskirts of D.C. in a very, very reputable neighborhood and area, one of the highest grossing zip codes out there in the country in that kind of Potomac River Falls uh, area. And and to me, it was the first time where I could be kind of front and center and stage at that level. 
in a larger scale resort and bringing that luxury lifestyle again. So again, everything from the beginning just followed through and I could do everything I, I wanted in those, in those arenas, which was wonderful. So I love seeing that you continue to grow everywhere you get promoted, which is <laughs> shows that you're doing so well. But then you make this move, which I'm most interested in, is you, you join Davidson Hospitality Group. And so why make that move? You're a director of rooms already, right, with a great hotel. Mm -hmm. But you mm -hmm. make a jump to the Baker's Cay Resort here mm -hmm. in Key Largo, so right in my mm -hmm. backyard. Mm -hmm. How does that come up when you decide to make that move? Yeah. So leaving Lansdowne as a director of rooms promoted within – all the awards, accolades, bringing everything to life, uh, and and having that opportunity was amazing. Uh, and and listen, hotels go through sales all the time, and that's what happened there. I, I think I'd probably still be in that in that market if I'm being honest. If that hotel hadn't sold, and it did, it, quite frankly, it went independent. And I, the the valuable lesson I had learned was, you know, I really want to stay strong with the company that I can grow, that has a portfolio, that has resources. And you've seen it in action here, visiting our hotel now and, and making connections with our Davidson uh, corporate team. You, you have that that spark, right? That feeling of being connected to something larger. Uh, and, and it's that same feeling that you get when you work in a brand, right? Uh, and I knew I wanted that. So I knew I didn't want to stick around in that area. And again, right? Here comes another opening, right? This was kind of that that uh, that phone call that happened by way of connections with two roads because uh, you know we kind of all scattered after that yep. and and, uh, and two roads a lot of folks went to davidson and at the time davidson was a, a big player still but developing a uh, a lifestyle luxury uh, vertical right through through the davidson portfolio uh, and i had an amazing like three-hour phone call with the general manager at the time joy boyd uh, at baker's k and i was like where is key largo on the map <laughs> I had to look it up. I was like, there's Miami and Key West. What's in the middle? And so we looked it up. It was in there. And this hotel had been just devastated by Hurricane Irma. You know, it was a Hilton property at one point. It was just, it was such an unknown. It was such a gamble, if you will, right? Uh, and and to be honest, I had, everything was calling me to the Keys at the time. There were multiple hotels making phone calls. And, and I have no idea, honestly, how my name just floats around the atmosphere, but it did. And I had this wonderful phone call with this general manager, flew down, uh, and and Steve, I am I, no no kidding, right? I land in Miami, and I, I, I rent a car, I'm driving, and I'm driving. And, and if you've made that drive, right, imagine that drive for the very first time. And I'm like, where am I going? Going over the, the bridge, going over the stretch, getting into Key Largo, Water, road, water. Okay, this is interesting. Coming from a big metropolis that was in the D.C. area, right? And all those, that, that mm -hmm. fast-paced life, to the island life, basically, right? To the land of pirates. Well, no land, right? To the to boats and and, and, and that fun. And and we get the Baker's K, and it's this just this, this gem of a hotel, this 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 super huge unknown and fun. And and here comes this general manager. And, 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 and this is not an exaggeration. I have a picture to prove it. She is in jeans and boots and getting off of a, 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 a tractor. Or I, th I think it was like, it, this thing is under construction. This thing is like the roof is still being installed. And it was just so much going on. Half of the hotel mm -hmm. was closed. And I was like, what is going on? What am I doing? Where have I landed? And I fell in love immediately. I, I knew exactly where I wanted to be after that meeting. I had no idea about South Florida. I had no idea about the Keys. Uh, and then again, just like before, at the time it was my wife, I, at the time of Mary, I was like, we're going to the Keys. And she was like, what? Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. uh, I said, we're going to the Keys. This you, you have to see that. Flew her down. She fell in love with it and, uh, and then ended up there to another opening uh, <laughs> in, a, in a very much so a Creole Caribbean, uh, very, very tough market down in the Keys. Yeah, were you living in the Keys or were you living north? Like, where were you living? Because I most know that's of, something. Most of the team lived. Most of the right. team lived uh, uh, north in Homestead, Florida City, right. even mm -hmm. you know Kendall and 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 so forth. Uh, but I was very fortunate to again, because I'm a little bit of a smooth talker at times. I, I grabbed the attention of a of a wonderful couple 
and uh, we struck a deal for a home in uh, in Isla Mirada, mile marker nice. 88, right nice. on the bay. I had a sunset view every night. It was it was a perfect opportunity for me to live right in the Keys. Man, so you're living postcard life for three years in Isla Mirada. Yes. It's beautiful. And so for listeners, if you don't know Isla Mirada, it's one of my favorite areas just to go decompress and relax. So he was in the right spot. But you're also there when COVID hits, right? And so you do an opening, then you get all excited and then get crushed by COVID for a couple of months. But then the market explodes, at least in South Florida. Is that what happened to you in the Keys? Yes, I think just like everyone else. The Keys were very specific in particular because, as you know, the, the the whole Keys, right? There was a checkpoint. Yes. So you really had to have a letter of ownership or a ID that said you live there in order to get in. And so obviously, just just as much as when Irma hit, right, and all those, uh, you know, post-traumatic uh, event days and months and weeks, I think for us in the key, similar to a lot of places out there in the country and in the world, uh, you know, it was just one week at a time. And, and I was part of the team that stuck back. You know, I myself got COVID and I was in in room 154 uh, at the time. And I stayed there for weeks at a time. My GM would like, uh, you know, leave some food out in the, <laughs> in the balcony and I would grab it. And, and, and if you've seen this, Joy, this is just a great testament of what great leaders do. And so, you know, I was fortunate. I was very, I was, I was fine. And, and, you know, at the time it was just, it was, it was the whole world was in, in shock of it. So, so yeah, we went through that, but you're right. As soon as we opened up, it exploded. I mean, we really only had two weeks really of, of 50% occupancy and, you know, reduced hours in the restaurant. I mean, it was a very immediate right after that. And, uh, and it was, it was a hard navigation. It was very tough. Well, you handled it well, cause you got promoted again, right? So again, the pattern of being promoted yeah. <laughs> to me, it was an opportunity. And again, to, to, to talk through that with, with, with your leadership, with your ownership. And, you know, I've, I've I've heard this multiple times in your, in your, in your podcast where it's, you know, if you, if you're really intentful with what you want and you, and you speak it out loud and you work towards it and you're relentless to it. uh, And that's exactly what I did. I just opened my mouth and I said, you know what, I really want to do this. I want to do more. I ended up learning leisure and sales and, and built the consortium market at that hotel. So I kind of, deviated a little bit from just the daily op to more broader thinking and more overall ops got to lead more of the fmb side and learn from an amazing group of people there and again just get thrown into that you know and as a resort manager that's what you do right your mm-hmm. your your mod's your you know we did over 180 weddings a year at that hotel we we crushed it in food and beverage and all the outlets rooms occupancies over 86 percent year round record-breaking adrs uh, you know, and just all those amazing activations, private dining experiences, built a, an incredible sustainability program there, one of the best in the portfolio, and uh, ultimately led to the successful sell of that asset at one of the highest sell, actually in the Florida Keys, in the Monroe County, at a uh, million dollar a key uh, mm-hmm. sell. Gigantic. To the host who now has it from KHP. Uh, and, and, and through that, became the discipline that I was taught to, to be in PL reviews and, and ownership related meetings and to, to forecast accurately, to manage really successfully at a, at a resort manager kind of GM style with an amazing mentor right there by my side uh, who pushed very, very far uh, revenue optimization, salesmanship and, and, uh, and really leading markets and, and all that good stuff. So you know, I could I could spend hours talking about those three years, but really that year and a half uh, shortly thereafter. You know, it's a, it's 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 amazing for me. Because having that title is the first time where you're really the guy. You're the person that is the face of the operation. Is how I look at that role. And so they called me Mr. Ben Baker there. That that, that name has not <laughs> that name has not gone. I get text messages all the time as to this day. Right, hey, Mr. Mr. Ben Baker, and the, there's a whole folklore story about that hotel for another time that that describes what that is we had that at that hotel but yeah you're right i think i think to me that was the time where where things really relied on you and 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 and, and everyone looked up to you at, at uh, uh to a lot of degrees along with our general manager 
Like you mentioned, the hotel gets sold, but you stay within Davidson this time, and you end up at another iconic hotel. Tell the listeners, where do you end up in your next move in February of 2022? Nobu. Nobu, Miami Beach. The iconic property along with Eden Rock, who, if you're familiar with it, it is just an absolutely special, stunning uh, property uh, right in the heart of Miami Beach. Uh, uh, and uh, and I couldn't have picked a better place to continue my career with Davidson, but also to uh, to come and, and jump on board uh, an amazing group of, of leaders and team members that have, to your point, have been here for a long time and that have taken this property from many, 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 uh, many links. No, it's amazing. And so listeners, some bells might be going off because you might recall that I worked there for a short time, uh, but I didn't work there with Davidson. I wish I would have because I see, I tell Carlos all the time, I see the investment that Davidson makes and the tools they have. I wish I would have had those there. But Carlos mentions a couple of things there where there has been people, the hotel opened in 1956. And so there are some challenges when you're working in a building of that age, but there's also people who have been there since the 60s. I think there's one or two mm-hmm. people who have been there for 40, 45 years working in kitchens and working in housekeeping and working in public areas. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool to hear the history of all the things they've seen there. So for you coming into a place like that where you have such history, what has it been like being a leader in that hotel? Sure. You know, to me, it was, and I always consider myself a chess player, uh, but quite frankly, this opportunity joining the team at that time during some of those transitions, really, really tested my uh, my skills. And uh, and I always have this thing, and it came from Bakers, and, and it was a great opportunity to learn from there. But, you know, I, I, I to this day, I say this to everyone in the hotel, is don't be a, a checkers player, right? Play chess. Learn everyone's top, top skills. What makes them who they are? And your leadership will follow through that. Have candid conversations with your guests and your team members. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome. 